Do you ever feel like you're doing too much? Like you're constantly busy and your thoughts are going 100 miles an hour. This is something that a lot of us struggle with, myself included. And if there's any common silver lining from the last year of COVID, it's forcing us all to slow down. And as I'm sure you've heard by now, one way to slow down and create space is through meditation. I don't know about you, but I've had varying success with meditation. You know, when you sit cross-legged on the ground, close your eyes, and try to empty your thoughts. Well, it turns out, as I learned from today's guest, the sitting still kind of meditation is like jumping right into the deep end. It's hard, especially for fidgety types like me. And she actually doesn't recommend it for beginners. Today's guest is Sandy Vo, a meditation teacher. And she recommends actually starting out with an activity that you love, like playing music or making art or simply going on a walk and observing what's around you. Sandy wasn't always this Zen guru and meditation actually saved her life. In college, Sandy was this overachieving rock star. She made the Dean's List, she competed as a bodybuilder, ran her own business and juggled multiple jobs. But on the inside, she was burnt out and battling depression. She tried going to all these doctors, but her body actually rejected medication. And it was at her lowest point that she discovered meditation. As she started practicing it regularly, she started feeling better and started shedding some of the things that were toxic in her life. Fast forward many years later, today Sandy teaches people to meditate either one-on-one or through her program called Prosperous School of Self-Realization. Her core teaching and the focus of today's episode is how to bridge the gap between the outer world of achievements and your inner world of fulfillment. This is so far our second episode focused on spirituality. The first was episode 15 with Dr. John Ree, who's a neurology resident, and we talked about death, faith, and the question of why do people suffer? If these deeper, more spiritual conversations resonate with you, please let me know as I can start to bring in more guests like these for future episodes. I'm curious to hear what your experience with meditation has been like. Do you meditate regularly? Do you have an activity that feels like meditation? What does it do for you? I'd I'd love to hear about it. Send me a DM or tag me on a story at Inside Out with Jane. And before we dive in, make sure you are following the podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen so that you can get new episodes in your feed on Tuesdays. All right, on to today's show. This is Inside Out with Jane Z, the podcast that helps you build a thriving business without losing your mind. My name is Jane, and my mission is to help you build and grow your business while having time for the people and things that matter in your life. Join me every Tuesday as I sit down with an entrepreneur who's already building their dream business. We'll walk through their journey, tips for success, and how to mentally prepare for the long road ahead. Because building your dream business and dream life is the long game. And that's what we're all about right here on Inside Out. 
We are live here with Sandy Vo. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Jane. I'm excited. Me too. Let's start from the beginning. I'd love to hear a bit about yourself, what you do as a meditation teacher, and how you work with people. Yes. So in my human form, I'm Asian American, so Vietnamese, Black, and Indian. So I have a very multicultural background, which played very well into my journey of just having a universal view of life. And I'm the founder of Prosperous School of Self-Realization, which is a 90-day holistic integrative program that helps anybody that is stressed, that's going through a lot in life, recognize that you can bridge the gap between having outer success and inner fulfillment. So you learn the tools for methods of self-transformation, and then you learn how to create the reality that you desire. And I also am the founder of Prosperous, the podcast, and the founder of Royal Glow Meditation Retreat. So everything that I do in my life's work is really to support the modern day person. I mean, we live in a very busy chaotic world it can seem sometimes, but I also feel that we're living in some of the most exciting times. And when you have the tools to learn the methods of self-transformation, you feel more confident and you experience a prosperous life. And to me, prosperity means that you are just radiating in your joy and you're doing what feels good for you and you're serving in a way that feels good to you. And what that means is breaking a lot of rules and breaking a lot of traditions. So that's what I help people do. In terms of what exactly um, does a meditation teacher do, I think this is, is different depending on who you ask. Uh, I know for me that I created my own role in the world because I didn't see that it existed out there. What I do as a meditation teacher is I offer these tools of self-transformation in a container that is cultivated for people to feel safe so that they can make these transformations. They can actually reprogram the computer software of their mind. So meditation isn't just about sitting in silence. It's really about a moment-to-moment -moment awareness and I look at people's minds and I teach them how to direct their thoughts so that what they create with their thoughts becomes a reality that they actually desire to live. And in return, they feel better, they feel healthier, they feel more vibrant, they feel more confident, they feel more clear, and they feel more of this sense of conviction on the path that they're going on versus living in doubt and, and fear. There's so much to unpack there and dig into. I love this idea of reprogramming the software of our brains. You're like an Apple Care team for, for our minds. I love it. I also didn't realize that your background was so multicultural. You said you're Vietnamese, Black, and Indian. Wow. So was meditation ever a part of your upbringing and your family growing up? I would say... No, in its traditional form, like if we're sitting down in meditation, I would say no, but knowing what meditation is now, I can see how it's been introduced to me in different ways. But my mom was Catholic, so I went to church and my dad was Buddhist, so I also went to temple and I got to see very multifaceted views and I would always question religion. And I would question, well, how come over here I'm being taught this and over here I'm being taught this, but I could kind of mm. see the underlying ways where it was all the same. And so while I didn't actually learn the form of meditation, 
the greatest gifts that I got from my parents was that they offered me the ability or the capacity to look at things from different lenses. And they didn't argue on that. You know, my mom was okay mm. that I would go to temple with my dad and my dad was okay that I would go to Catholic church. And they both lived in that way. And they were both, you know, supportive of each other and that they didn't make one person change a religious belief for the other. It was a very much a, a universal type of household that I grew up in and it supported the path that I'm on today. But when I started to really learn what meditation was, uh, I realized that it was a missing ingredient in my life. And once I did, it changed everything. When was the first time meditation entered your life more formally and what did it do for you? Oh my goodness. So the first time that meditation came into my life was actually when I was living in the lowest of lows. I was a junior in college and I was just a rock star. I did so many things at once. I, you know, was on the Dean's list. I was competing in a bodybuilding competition. I was on wow. multiple different boards, you know, the American Marketing Association and all these different boards. And I was juggling three different internships at the same time or oh my gosh. one internship and then two jobs that kind of felt like it was all mingling together. And I basically thought that in order to be successful, I needed to do all these things. I needed to get good grades. I needed to graduate college and, and also like understand how things work in the real world, you know, working for other companies. And so I was really forcing myself to go on this path. And in return, it led me to a place of burnout. Now I dug my head into books and into learning and into all these things, not because I wanted to, but also because I was hoarding onto a depression that I was experiencing at the time. And I just wanted to stay busy. So on the outside, I looked like this overachiever rock star person, but on the inside, I was just finding an escape to do something, anything so that I wouldn't think about the things that really made me sad at the time. And so it got to a point where all of it came to a head and I just was completely burnt out. And when I say burnt out, my adrenal system was fried. I had no energy left. I mean, I had just finished competing a bodybuilding competition, thinking that I was at the prime of my life. Like I did it. I made it on stage and all these things. And then ultimately I, I didn't feel good. I wasn't happy. And I was even more depressed than before I did it. And so I thought that, you know, that was it. Like I thought my life was completely over. And it was in that period of burnout that I was led to an Ayurvedic practitioner. Ayurveda is the science of life and it has been around for thousands of years, 10,000 years at least. And it teaches you how to harmonize with your body and with the environment. And so when I met this Ayurvedic practitioner, he said that you don't need medication, you need meditation because I was rejecting hmm. medication. I, I was just on this path where my intuition at the time was telling me that there was something greater and it was just this fierce energy of, no, I'm not going to do that. No, that doesn't work for me to all these different doctors that I was seeing at the time who were trying to understand what was going on with my psyche. And then when I went to the Ayurvedic practitioner, he says, you know, you're just in a very deep depression and meditation will probably help you. So he handed me this brochure mm -hmm. and the brochure was of this place called the American Meditation Institute. 
And I remember seeing the, the founder of that place and just really connecting with his photo. And I didn't know nothing about meditation at the time. I had my own preconceived notions about it. And I knew that I was meant to work with this person. So it ended up being that he was in my backyard. He lived 40 minutes away. And I actually found the Ayurvedic practitioner three hours away in another state. And so I went to meet him for the first time. And I didn't know anything at that time. I mean, my mind was just gone. I just didn't have this sense of, of, of awareness around what was going on. I was just in a place of complete survival mode and just mm -hmm. fully tapped out. And when my teacher at the end asked me what I needed or how he could support me, I said, I want you to be my teacher. And I just knew right then and there. And so he taught me meditation for the very first time. I sat in, a, his, in his meditation course. And I just remember this feeling of overwhelming love and joy and this sense of peace. And it was just so overwhelming that it, it just brought tears to my eyes that, that I could feel this way. And once I got a taste of that, once I got a little scent of that, I was like, okay, I want more. And so now my mind became attracted to just feeling good and feeling better. And then I started to walk away from things that I thought was going to bring me joy. So at that time I had started a business as well, forgot to include that. And I wow. deleted my Instagram account with that online business that I had. I deleted everything off social media and I uh, walked away from this life that I thought that I was meant to live. And I really committed to creating space for myself to understand what is, what is this lifetime? What is life? What does it mean? Who am I? What am I here to do? I actually had space to think about that for a moment. And then I realized, wow, we were born into a society that taught us who to be. And we go into mm -hmm. this very linear systematic pattern of you know, you have to go to school and you have to go down this path and do these things in order to be successful. And then I realized, wait a second, that's not success to me. And that's not what that means. And so, yeah, I dedicated myself to learning meditation for that full year. And it's literally been my journey ever since. So I went from thinking that I would be in public relations you know, wearing high heels, rocking it down in New York City to being barefooted most of my life, but also working with a lot of high performers and wildly successful people who don't feel fulfilled on the inside. Wow, that is incredible. So I have two sets of questions. Uh, one is around like, who was your community at the time when you were in college and were any of your friends also interested in meditation and, and this kind of practice you were? And the other question I was thinking about as you were talking is it sounds like as you went through this process and started looking inward, you started shedding some of the things that didn't serve you in your life, you know, like this business that you started. Was that kind of your thinking process was like, it helps you realize these are some things that I don't need anymore. And so let me get rid of them. Like, do you still do bodybuilding, you know, things like that? Yeah, for sure. So in terms of community at the time, I didn't really have a community at the time because I didn't understand what was going on with me. And I also mm -hmm. got really, really good at isolating myself from, you know, I also did isolate myself from friends at this time as well, because I felt like nobody really understood the journey that I was on. But I also just wasn't 
um, I wasn't sharing what was going on with myself personally because it didn't feel like there was really space for that, that people just didn't understand, right? And mm -hmm. at the same time, I also felt like because I had that depression, I was just isolating myself. So I've spent a lot of time completely to myself. I didn't really talk to that many people. And mm. when I look back, you know, it's a beautiful part of my path because it taught me not during that time of being isolated and lonely, but eventually I learned about solitude and how beautiful solitude can actually be. And mm. when you're in solitude in a space of actually still, um, having conversations with people and being a part of other people's life, it creates this experience where you are so connected to yourself and you understand yourself at such a deeper level that when you show up in those communities, you offer that same love and that same connection, that same level mm -hmm. of intimacy. But at the time, I wasn't aware of that. And I was just a lot more isolated. And so my community became the spiritual community that I started to study with. And that was just so sacred to me. And I was so grateful for that. But what I recognize is that most of those people were, you know, in their fifties plus. And I was like, how come, how come we don't know this? Like, how come we're not learning this while we're in college? How come we're not having conversations about this? How come all we're talking about is partying and all these things? And, you know, that's great. <laughs> that's the age that we're in. But I realized, gosh, this is so, this is such transformative, like life-changing information that if we knew this at a much younger age, we would feel better. Right. So I actually ended up going back and teaching this work to colleges across the mm. New York region. So, wow. So uh, that's where my path eventually led me when it comes to community. And then when it comes to the second question that you asked, I shedded so many old belief systems. One, the belief system that you need to work harder in order to be successful. Growing up with immigrant parents and also being the oldest, I thought that I needed to be the best role model. And I needed to go out there and pursue and just show up in a way that showed my resilience and shows how strong I am. And in doing so, I actually abandoned myself. I rejected myself. And so I abandoned those parts of myself. And the business that I had was actually a, a wonderful business. I was headed on the right path. I was a, a transformational coach and it was an online business and it was to help people feel better. But I didn't realize myself that I was, I was doing that because I wasn't feeling good at the time. And so mm -hmm. what I learned and what I shedded was this identity that felt like I always needed to do more for other people versus for myself and the identity of people pleasing. So the business, I was people pleasing my audience at the time on Instagram. And then my identity in terms of uh, my parents and my family working hard, I was trying to please them. And so mm. that was a really, really big thing to release is just people pleasing and just trying to do things for other people and recognizing that if you want to get really far in life and if you want to really be successful, you have to take care of your energy and your energy is your number one priority. And the more that you start saying yes to yourself and setting boundaries to things that don't feel good to you anymore, the more that you create that space for your own energy, your unique energy to actually flourish and come through. Beautifully said. I think 
we have this in common in that we're both Asian American, Asian Canadian with immigrant parents who put on a, a ton of pressure to achieve a, like a very specific image of success. I love too that you brought up this idea of the inside and outside looking different. And that was a big inspiration for this podcast. And the reason I called it Inside Out was you have to be solid on the inside as a person in order to um, really live out the life you want. I did watch a, one of your interviews where you talked about this analogy of meditation being like music notes. I love that so much. Can you share that analogy? Yeah, yeah. So it's a really great way of understanding what meditation is. So when you look at a music sheet, you see that there's a lot of spaces in between the notes and it's because of those spaces that you're able to hear the melody that comes through from those notes. So if I were to pick up an instrument and I were to play that music note, that music sheet, I would play a really beautiful melody, right? But if those notes were all clashed together and there was no spaces in between them, then I would pick up an instrument and the sound would be like, <laughs> it would just be, it would just be super intense. You'd be like, whoa, what am I listening to right now? And so it's the same thing when it comes to meditation. The notes resemble our thoughts. Our thoughts can be going at 165 miles per hour. And that sounds like a jumbled music sheet, right? And yeah. when it goes at 165 miles per hour, there's always something going on in your head. It feels like you're a hamster inside of a wheel and it just keeps spinning and you don't know how to stop it. And the way that that becomes expressed through you looks like anxiety. It looks like you just speeding on at the pace of light in your life and not really slowing down enough to enjoy it. But when you allow spaces in between each one of those thoughts, and that's what meditation helps you to do is it creates spaces between those thoughts. You can actually observe every single music note, every single thought. You can see which thought that's coming up that's serving you and which thought that's coming up that's not serving you. And here's a powerful thing about our thoughts is that they're not here to tell you what to do. You are here to demand or command your thoughts. Your thoughts are not here to command you. But what we think when we don't have control over our, our own mind is that our thoughts are telling us what to do. And if a thought comes up, I got to listen to it. I got to do exactly what it says. And this is because in a huge sense, our unconscious mind, our unconscious thought patterns are controlling so much of the way that we live our lives, 98% of the way that we live our lives. And so... When you look at this music sheet or when you look at your thoughts and you're able to have spaces in between your thoughts, you can actually be like, okay, this is no longer serving me. I don't need to honor this. I don't need to honor this thought through my actions. I can honor it that it's there. I can observe it. I can acknowledge it and I can let it go. And then I can bring myself back to a different thought that is serving me. So when you slow down enough, you actually can be able to do that. And that's what meditation helps you to do. It helps you to play the expression of your life, but you don't know what the expression of your life is. If all the time your brain and your, your thinking patterns are always on and they're on in a really fast way. So the important thing to understand here is that 
we have brains for a reason. We think for a reason. There's nothing wrong with thinking. We are here to think. And it is our thinking that makes us geniuses as human beings. We are geniuses. But the question becomes, how can you use your genius and how can you express your genius in a way that feels in harmony, that feels healthy, that feels like it's giving you more energy and that feels like it's actually sustainable? I love the music analogy because I am one of those people that's really fidgety and can't sit still. And I've tried meditation multiple times. Sometimes I can manage to sit for 15 minutes and really be still with the silence. And sometimes I just can't. But I do find that, you know, if I'm making music or doing something creative, I get in this flow state. Do you see that kind of flow state as a form of meditation or is it something different? Yes, I absolutely see it as a form of meditation. I think meditation at a very beginning level, if someone has never, ever, ever meditated before, I actually wouldn't have them sit still because they're going to be super fidgety. They're going to be like, oh, I can't do this. It's so uncomfortable, right? <laughs> That's what <me>. I actually <laughs> would invite them to do is to focus on something that they love. When you focus all of your attention on something that you love, all of time and space, it all just disappears. And you're just so enamored by it that the, it's all you know, and you slip into the state, this flow state of pure consciousness. And through this state of pure consciousness, you create art whether it's with your music, whether it's you painting something, whether it's you going for a walk and just enjoying nature, whether it's you um, dancing and moving your body, when you lose yourself in, in the art, when you lose yourself in the music, you're literally living in that flow state. And what does it mean to lose yourself? You're losing the lower self, the lower mind that constantly is analyzing and criticizing every little thing that's going on. And when you lose that lower mind, what do you have left? pure consciousness alone. We all have access to this. And it's really when we learn the methods to remove our thinking instruments or use our thinking instruments to support us along the way. So you're absolutely right. If you can't meditate, notice how you feel when you do something that you love. Like how do you feel when you do something that you love? Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I am curious because you started out meditation when you were at a really low point in life, right? You know, where you were burnt out, going through a depressive state. How long did it take you to kind of turn your life around, so to speak? How far in did you realize, okay, I'm, I'm kind of a brand new person now? Yeah. Yeah. I would say it took me about six months to start realizing it but it took me about a year to actually start understanding it at a more visceral level, not just intellectually, but in my body and understanding that because mm -hmm. what had happened was after I competed in the bodybuilding competition, regardless of eating healthy foods, because my body was just so stressed, I ended up gaining so much weight. I was 160 pounds. It was the most that mm -hmm. I had ever weighed, probably because of all the things that were disorganized in my body. And it was through that year alone where I slowly just started shedding it off without even trying. It was just through the meditation practices that I learned. Mm -hmm. And 
my body was telling me what to eat. My body was telling me what it wanted and I knew how to listen to it more intuitively. And within that year, I started shedding off all that weight. And then I went down to being my regular, normal, healthy weight. And it's just, it's been the same ever since. And so when that started happening, when I started seeing the the physical changes, I was like, whoa, I, I actually feel different. And, and I am different in so many ways. And it can be a little bit uncomfortable at first because what happens is, you might have changed, but in your outer environment, you still have the same family. You still have the same scenarios that show up. And now you have to learn how to um, use the knowledge of who you are to harmonize with your family without, you know, shoving this down their throat and saying, hey, you need to, you need to meditate. You need to try this. But actually mm. inspiring them through your own actions and, and what you're doing. So I would say it took me a, a year to really see that change. But I mean, it takes years and it's still a work in progress. And I would say it's probably been the past couple of years where I feel like I'm just so embodied in what these teachings are that there's just no denying it. This is my life path. This is my life purpose. And the more that I started knowing it, the more I started to quit other opportunities that were coming my way. So when I was teaching meditation, I also was in sales as well. And I was in sales for two and a half years, three years. And I ended up quitting that job that was making me really great money, but it wasn't my life path. And so I quit that job to completely create my own role in the world. And, and here I am. Yeah. I mean, when you're doing sales for someone else and something that you might not care about, that's like so contrasting, right? From the teachings of meditation. How do you define meditation versus mindfulness? Yeah. So meditation is a leg that comes from yoga science. So yoga science is an ancient philosophy, a science that's been around for thousands and thousands of years. So way back in the days when our ancestors were living in caves and they were starting to experiment with their bodies. They were starting to understand, you know, how do I connect to the stars in the sky? And how do I connect to everything that's around me? They started to experiment by using their own bodies and experimenting with, oh, if I choose this thought, then what happens to my body? If I choose this experience, then what happens to my reality? And the more that they started to experiment with this, using yoga, you know, yoga science, the more they started to discover that they were the creator of their reality. And so a leg from yoga science is meditation. So meditation is the practice of understanding yourself as if I could put it as simple as possible. That's what it is. You're re-engineering your mind. You're undoing all these layers that have been absorbed through living in society that don't belong to you. And you are simply learning how to be your fullest essence, your fullest self. So meditation really allows you to do that. Mindfulness to me is living in a very conscious state. When you're meditating, there are times when you actually transcend the conscious state. So you go from the conscious mind to the super conscious mind, the mind that is above the mind. You know, as Albert Einstein says, you can't solve a problem at the same level of thinking that you use to create the problem. You have to ascend um, to higher levels of consciousness in order to solve that problem. You have to go beyond the mind um, to see what's within the mind. So meditation helps you to do that. When I think about mindfulness, 
It's about being present and it's about what's right in front of you. It's using your conscious mind and your brain to focus on what's right in front of you. But there's a state that's beyond that and meditation helps you to transcend that state. So I think both are important. It's all, you know, it's all part of each other. But if I were to define it, they are two different things. Mm, yeah, that's helpful. I'm visualizing kind of like there's like a core present experience where you're in the moment and that's mindfulness. And then when you're ascending that and going deeper, that's meditation. Yeah. Or, um, or even when you say, let's use this example, maybe you're learning how to play the piano. At first, you're using your conscious mind to know how to play the notes, to correlate between the notes and your fingers, and then you play the piano, right? But what happens when you learn it and you're so good at it that you don't even need to look at the notes anymore? You're accessing mm. that flow state, that super conscious state at that point, because now you're not even thinking about it. You've ascended the thinking mind that's being mindful and you're just, mm. you're just playing your music. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. There's a video of, Corey Henry, he's this amazing pianist. When he was five years old, he could just play his own jazz improv. And it's crazy because at that age, he probably hasn't learned a lot of the technical aspects, but he can kind of play from the soul and from the heart. Yeah. And that's kind of the image I, I, I see. So I want to transition into talking about how meditation relates to stress. You mentioned meditation instead of medicine or instead of medication. How do Eastern philosophies see stress as being the root of so many illnesses or diseases in our body? How does practicing meditation actually help us heal our physical body? This is such a great question because I think in our modern world, sometimes we get lost in things that we see on social media and Instagram and we think that meditation is so out there. It's so, it's so woo woo, but there's actually a science to it. Basically, when you look at your body, the mind, the body, and the spirit are completely connected. Whereas Western science, we don't really see that. We see everything as separate. That's why we have a special doctor for um, someone to look at our eyes and a special doctor to look at our teeth and a special doctor to look at our heart. And it's all completely specialized. Whereas in the Eastern world, we see that the mind, the body, and the spirit are completely connected. So when we experience stress, Stress is an indicator that we are living in ignorance of our own divinity. We're living in ignorance of our own power that in, in recognizing that we are the creator and we are the divine or spirit having a human experience, right? And so we feel stressed. And so stress is the number one cause of so many diseases. And when you start learning how to meditate, what happens is, and, and, you know, I teach this through three different phases. First is you start to become aware of your body. And when you become aware of your body, what happens is you start tuning into the consciousness of your body and you start noticing areas where you might be feeling tense, for example. And by learning how to bring your consciousness to those areas alone, you start feeling less tense. And now that stress that was living in certain parts of your body begins to be allevi alleviated. A huge part of meditation is learning how to breathe as well. A lot of us, we, mm. we don't know how to breathe the right way as when we used to when we were younger. So when you were a baby, you would be breathing from your belly and you would be breathing really full breaths, bringing tons of oxygen inside of your body. 
But as we grow up, the more stressed that we become, the more we start breathing from our chest and we're panting mm. most of the times and we're holding our breath without even realizing it. And the more that we do that, the more that we cut out oxygen that is coming into the body, we, we cut out that life force that's coming into the body. So overall, what meditation helps you to do is it helps you to first become aware of where there's tension inside of your body or what stresses you might be feeling, you become aware of your thoughts. That might be the root of whatever that stress is. Stress is created from us not realizing or observing or acknowledging those unconscious thoughts that keep showing up again and again and again, right? So when you begin to observe your own mind through meditation, you can realize what is coming up from the unconscious mind Poof, that's just trying to be seen. Let's use a really relevant example with COVID right now, right? A lot of people are nervous about it. They're living in a lot of fear and they're watching news channels that, that tell you all these things. And it's just reiterating the emotion of fear. And so now someone's going to be stressed out about it. And that stress is going to show up from the back of their unconscious mind. So maybe they walk out the door and their usual response used to be to smile to the person next to them when they walk by. But now their their new response is, oh my gosh, I need to grab my mask. Like I, I gotta take it mm. out. And then they take out their mask and they put it on. And without observing what's in their unconscious mind, they're allowing that fear to take over the, the presence of their own power. So what happens when you meditate is you start becoming more aware of, well, what is this thought and where is this thought coming from? Why am I so fearful of this person that's walking by me that's more than six feet away? Why am I suddenly triggered by this right now? Why am I pulling out my mask and putting it on when I'm outside in fresh air and I have nobody else around me and that person is really far away, but just the thought of me seeing a person, why does that scare me, right? Mm -hmm. So when you observe it and you see it a lot more, you're like, ah, oh, okay, I've been, all I watch is the news that tells me to be afraid of more people. All I hear from my mom and my dad is, oh, make sure you wear your mask. Make sure you, make sure you do this. Make sure you do that. Make sure you protect yourself, right? And so now these experiences of fear are literally taking over the way that we live our lives. So when you become more observant of that, you start to question things. And, you know, sometimes in school, we don't, we're not taught to question things. Even when we were younger, when we asked our mom and dad, why, but why, but why? That was our natural state of curiosity. You know, they would get frustrated and they wouldn't want to answer. We go back to questioning. We go back to that inquisitive, curious nature of, well, why is this happening the way that it is? And when you start doing that, when you start asking why, you call in the infinite intelligence. You call in the mind that is beyond your own mind to understand this a little bit deeper, right? Mm. So I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying not to wear a mask, but what I'm saying is begin to observe where these fears are coming from. And if they're actually yours, do you actually feel this way or is it something that you learned? And you can take this example and you can look at it in terms of relationships and why you choose certain people that you date and you're experiencing the same thing again and again and again, and you don't know why. And you can also apply it to making money. You know, why is it that you experience the same pattern again and again and again? When you allow yourself to observe these things, you can see where the stress is actually coming from and what thought created it. So when you see the root of mm. what, what thought it was that created it, you can actually re rewire it and change it and teach yourself a different thought. And when you teach yourself how to have a different thought, 
you actually teach yourself how to have a different experience. So the mind creates the reality, the body experiences the reality, the breath is the integrator of it all and the spirit guides it. So when you connect all of those together through meditation, you open your eyes and you're like, wow, I'm finally living the life that I wanna live. I'm not living in fear anymore. I'm not living in stress anymore because my life isn't dictated by what's in the outside world. It's dictated by what's within. Hmm. As you were talking about breath, I was trying to be more conscious of my own breathing and try to breathe deeply. I want to drill in on the point you made about work and success, because as you were talking about finding the root of your stress, I was thinking about in how a lot of corporate workplaces, you're taught to leave emotions out of the workplace. But what you're saying is kind of recognizing where that stress and emotion lies and using that recognition to then decide how to move forward. Yeah, you're spot on. So our emotions, you can think of it this way, is energy that's in motion. So notice how, you know, after a really good cry, like you feel good. Sometimes you just want to laugh mm -hmm. after you cry really, really good, right? We've all had those bathroom on the floor experiences of crying. And so the thing when it comes to emotions is when you start to allow your emotions to be expressed and released versus suppressed, like the way that we were taught, you feel better. Energy is meant to be expressed through you, not absorbed in your body. So when you're, you know, a young girl and you say something and you're bold and you're always asking why, but you're being told, don't ask that, be quiet, you know, and, 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 oh, you shouldn't be talking, you know, you start to hold all of that energy in your throat. And therefore it manifests into actual throat issues. So a lot of women have thyroid mm. issues or when it yeah. comes to our own will, for example, maybe you were determined to just do something, start your own business. And so many people around you told you that you couldn't do it and you believed it. And then now you're starting to manifest, you know, all types of gut issues that are in the body. It's all connected. Mm. And so what I'm saying is emotion shows up for you because it's a tool and it's a human experience that you're having in order order to it be expressed in the world. And when we suppress it, it becomes a depression. Or when we mm. try to ignore it, sometimes it becomes an anxiety. Uh, it starts feeling really uncomfortable. And so if you feel those emotions, observe it. What, it. what feedback is it giving you? What is it trying to tell you about your human experience? And then use that as a way through tools like meditation to completely rewire that emotion and then teach yourself how to have a new experience, which then creates completely new emotions. I'm learning so much that the thyroid thing, that's crazy. I've never heard that connection made before. So many women have thyroid issues. I have gut issues and I know a lot of it's related to stress. I do have one more question for you, which is around self-care. It's been like a huge buzzword all over social media. And a lot of times it's associated with like skincare and bubble baths, but it's so much more than that. How do you view self-care? Yeah. So when I talk about the self, there's, there's two different selves. There's a lower self and then there's the higher self. So the lower self is your personality. It's the part of you that has an identity that attaches to all these different things. So there's like Jane and then there's Sandy, right? That's our lower selves. But then there's our higher self as well. The highest version of who we are that is united with the divine, with our divine expression. So when I, when we hear self care, there's two different kinds. There's a self care where let's take care of Jane's basic needs. 
needs. Let's take care of Sandy's basic needs. She needs water. She needs nourishment. She needs all these other things to feel better and to have her energy thriving, right? But at a, a another level, self-care is really about um, caring for your own divinity, you know, your expression in the world. So how do you want to express yourself in the world? What do you want your life to look like? And then taking care of that. So when I put it into a very simple phrase, self-care is being self-aware. You are constantly going to change. Like Jane is constantly going to evolve. Sandy is constantly going to evolve. And part of taking care of ourselves is recognizing what do I need in this moment right now? What am I aware of right now? Because what you might call self-care today is literally going to change tomorrow or a year from now. And so once you start recognizing in this moment, well, what do you need to feel better? What do you need to feel more nourished? And you offer yourself that, then the more that you evolve, the more that it's going to change. And that's why meditation and all the methods of self-transformation support you for a lifetime. It's lifetime knowledge because now you have all these tools that you can use no matter how much it is that you're changing or what it is you're aware of, you can always go back to these tools and supply that, that sense of love and nourishment and care for yourself. Amazing. This has been so, so fruitful. If listeners are interested in learning more from you, where can they find you? Yeah. So you can find me on my podcast, Prosperous. I talk a lot about all of this and dive into it a little bit deeper. And you can find me on my website. I call it an online sanctuary. It's www.sandyvo.com. I have lots of information and also the podcasts are on there and blogs. And then um, if you want to connect to me on social media, you can send me a DM. It's instagram.com forward slash I Sandyvo. And I would love to connect with you. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me, Sandy. Of course. And I would love to gift your audience with a free meditation. This meditation helps you to understand your own thought patterns more and help you to be more self-reliant and feel more confident in yourself. So I'd love to offer that to your audience. So generous. Thank you. We'll definitely leave that in the episode description. And that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in. I'd love to hear what you got out of this episode. Take a picture of where you're listening from and tag me on a story at Inside Out with Jane. I'll be back here next Tuesday. And in the meantime, chat with you online. Bye.